God is with you. Let us pray. God of the Sabbath, this is the day and this is the hour when women long oppressed learn to stand with dignity when your healing escapes our desire for control. May your joy stretch the fabric of our hearts and inspire us to loose each other's bonds. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. You've likely seen recently that the Inflation Reduction Act passed. It's a massive effort to fight climate change while providing tax cuts and health care subsidies. It also supplants the Affordable Care Act. In the days before the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, it was commonplace to hear horror stories of patients denied care due to pre-existing conditions. There was a baby denied care because he was in the 99th percentile for weight. There was a 51-year-old contractor who lost a leg from a roadside bomb in Iraq whose insurer denied him a prosthetic leg. There was a teenage girl who died because her insurance company denied her liver transplant. These stories were disturbing because the sole purpose of insurance companies is to provide health care. Yet they denied care because it was not cost beneficial for the company. Most of that is behind us for now, but healthcare in the United States is still a business. Injustices in the interest of profit continue. For example, in January, a woman in New York City was hospitalized for an uncertain health condition. The diagnosis was unclear, but symptoms were getting worse. It was confusing and sad. When she received her bill, she noticed a $40 charge for, quote, brief emotional and behavioral assessment. Upon reflection, she realized that she had been charged for crying. This is actually common now. Medical billing is based on codes called CPT, Current Procedural Terminology. Almost all medical care in the United States is paid for with a fee-for-service model, which reimburses medical providers for care based on specific actions. Medicare lists out all their billing codes for their physician fee schedule. There you can see that Medicare pays 4 to $6 for 96127, which is brief emotional and behavioral assessment. It's a real thing, 96127. Some facilities charge $6 for it. Some charge 45 Others charge 75 
NYU's Langone Hospital charges $118 for being sad in a hospital. Clearly, some things need to change. The very systems that are designed to help people are hurting them. Such is the case in the gospel passage today. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. Along the way, he stops in a synagogue. It's the big day, the Sabbath, Shabbat, between sundown Friday and sundown Saturday. Jesus is teaching when a woman approaches him. This poor woman has been crippled for 18 years. She was unable to stand up straight. Yet Jesus sees this woman. He sees her and calls her to him. And even that would be noteworthy. But Jesus lays his hands on her. Remember, this is a culture that follows cleanliness codes and holiness codes. You were not able to just touch someone that was ill. It would, you, it would have effects on you. This is something like many of us living in the post-pandemic reality. We do not readily give out hands, shake hands or give out hugs or touch others or even like to breathe near people that we don't know. It's, uh, we live in a fear of, of infection. That was the society, that was the mentality that Jesus lived in too. Jesus, though, breaks that. He touches her and he heals her. I'd like to think that if I witness this miracle, I will be filled with wonder. It'd be absolutely incredible. Hallelujah. God is with us. All of that. But my cultural equivalent, the leader in the synagogue, says, there are six days for work. Come then and be healed. On the one hand, this leader of the synagogue has remarkable faith. He essentially says, we'll heal you anytime. Just come back when the time is right. But the point is that the time was right. This woman needed healing. It wasn't something she could or should have to wait for. The leader of the synagogue doesn't see her need. He doesn't feel her pain. He is legalistic. He embraced the letter of the law over the spirit of the law. In so doing, he took something that was designed for to care for and protect God's people and made it into an impediment to the care of God's people. Just a few weeks ago, Anglican bishops from all over the world gathered for the Lambeth Conference, a conference in England every 10 years. It meets in Canterbury Cathedral, the University of Kent, and Lambeth Palace, the home of the Archbishop of Canterbury. 
Just a couple days before the event, a group of conservative Anglican bishops from the Global South decided to amend a proposal on human dignity such that it would exclude and excommunicate our LGBTQ siblings in Christ and anyone who supported them. The claim was that it was against biblical decrees to be in full communion with the LGBTQ community. Their hope was to shun the Episcopal Church, the New Zealand Church, and other members of the Anglican Communion. It was a legalistic attempt to limit the love of God in the body of Christ, not unlike the legalistic response to the Sabbath healing. Sadly, this is certainly not the first time the Church has failed to love those in need. In fact, the broad church has so much baggage, so much hurt, that many find it difficult to be associated at all with Christianity. In his recent book, Do I Stay a Christian? Church reformer Brian McLaren explores the primary reasons many people are choosing not to identify as Christian as well as several truly compelling reasons to stay Christian. These include the ability to shape the Christian narrative, the potential for a new type of Christianity infused with a greater sense of justice and a refreshed cosmology, and just pure love for the truth and healing of Jesus' teaching and life. McLaren also describes something called the cult of innocence, which implicates us all in something I, for one, had never noticed. But you're going to have to check that out. You have to read that book yourself. Do I Stay Christian? If you read it, try to read the whole thing. Point is, we all need guidance. We all want to know how to love. We want to know how to be faithful to know what God wants of us. We want some rubric. Some of those rubrics come from tradition. Maybe the tradition is rooted in the Bible or the Book of Common Prayer, or maybe it's physician fee schedules and current procedural terminology. Traditions and sources can be guideposts, signs pointing us in the right direction, but they can also point us to a place that used to be on the map but isn't there anymore. Occasionally, we need to go places for which old rubrics and signs are no longer helpful. Sometimes it is, as William Faulkner wrote in The Mansion, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have courage to lose sight of the shore. In this ever-evolving universe, the shore slips out of sight often. I need courage to swim in the deep waters, the deep waters of equal rights for our LGBTQ siblings, the torrents and bureaucratic nightmares of health reform, healthcare reform, the raging fires of climate change. These waters are deep, murky, and treacherous. It will not be easy to wade and swim in them, just as it was not easy for Jesus to take on the legalistic religious establishment. And it wasn't easy for the woman who had the courage to ask Jesus for the healing she needed. 
hearing about their courage gives me courage. Courage to swim the deep waters in search of new horizons. Courage to help the sick. Courage to love. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.